Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, hey, you're now entering the dark place. Robert, hello. Hello, how are you getting on? I'm grand, as always. I'm the Dean. Robert, you're also a human who exists in the world. Somewhere. And we have a new show. You say new, but I mean, it's been out a while. It's new to me. It was new to you. Yeah, so it's uh, 2004. Um, so it's the dark, Garth Marenghi's dark place. It's, it's uh, 17 years old. Um, for the 99% of people listening who won't know what it is, we, we should probably explain. Uh, it's a weird show that got cancelled after one season. So that's six episodes and it's a sitcom. And you'll recognise a lot of the cast because it has Matt Berry, Richard Ayoade, Julian Barrett, Noel Fielding. And then the main guy who plays Garth Marenghi, you won't recognise because I don't think he did much else. Well, no, he did. He did appear in the in one episode of The Office as a tech guy, um, but it's it's so weird that a lot of the guys in the show went on to be famous in other things, but not the lead. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's strange because uh, you had Richard there, who was in the IT crowd, and this came up before that, and you kind of see a proto version of uh, who did he play in the IT crowd? He played uh, Moss, Maurice Moss. Moss. Yeah, so he sees like a proto version of that, but you also in the show he he's a producer that also acts in it. As producer, he's very charismatic. He's brilliant. He's wonderful. He's uh, whimsy. He's whiskal. Whiskal is not a word, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, that's sad. I wish <laughs> it was. But um, and then you have him in the actual show. And he is a lot like Moss, but he's a lot like Moss pretending to be tough. Yeah. So because we should say that everyone's playing two characters, actually. So they're playing a character who is himself playing another, pretending to play another character. So that's why we get that kind of confusion. Um, so, yeah. So Richard Ayoade plays Dean Lerner, who also then plays Thornton Reed. Uh, Matt Berry plays Todd Rivers, who plays Dr. Lucian Sanchez. Matthew Holness, who's the lead that you probably won't know, plays Garth Marenghi, who plays Dr. Rick Douglas. So what's actually happening here is um, these chaps have made it, they're presenting a TV show that they pretend they have recorded in the 80s, and they all acted in it, and now they're showing you that show for the first time, you know, 25 years later. So... In 2021, we're talking about a show that was released in 2004 that is pretending that it released a show in the 80s. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I like that. There's nearly 20 years of separation between all of those points. Yes, I know. It's it's good. And 
what's your before we go into like what happens in the first episode what's your take on the aesthetic because that's what i love is the aesthetic i mean it's uh, it is what it is um when i first saw it i really first episode i wasn't sure what to make of it mm-hmm. it is definitely something that's making fun of itself but is it trying too hard to make fun it nearly gets to crosses over to that point where it's pitiful um yeah. but it does pull it back it is actually clever in a lot of ways and it shows you it's a very very well documented way of describing or showing how you shouldn't produce a tv show <laughs> Yes. And how badly you could potentially produce something with, you know, even consistency in terms of television. Um, your man, Richard, changes his outfits even within a single scene. Uh, <laughs> objects that they're holding are constantly disappearing or reappearing. Um, it's funny. And I, I suppose you don't notice the effort that actually goes into making something uh, continuous in a show. So it's nice to see that aspect of it. Yeah, they're very good with that. They're very good at showing you, you know, how other shows are flawless in a way that you don't even notice because here you notice all the the camera cuts or, you know, Richard Iowati will look at the camera between lines when he he doesn't know what he's going to say and then there's an obvious camera cut and then he picks up on like another take or whatever. Yeah. And it's also, it's, it's impressive because they're good actors that are acting bad I'm picking up on that. I mean, even the first scene you're introduced to uh, Madeline. Is it Madeline or Madeline? Uh, yes. So that's um, that's the the fourth character. Alice Lowe plays Madeline Wool, who then plays Dr. Liz Asher. So even in the first she- scene, she approaches the desk and she's about to put her hand on her hip, but she remembers that that's coming too soon. So she puts it back down and then later in the conversation puts her hand on her head. <laughs> Small, tiny little details. I don't know how, either she is a bad actor and she was just like, I'll wing this and it's going to be grand. Or she consciously thought, what's, how does a bad actor behave? I think that, so, um, because I, the others are all good actors. So I'm assuming that, you know, that she is as well. I, I don't know her from any. I, I want to give but... them the credit. I really want to give them the credit of being <laughs> really good actors playing bad actors. And that kind of small detail is just, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I, th- I think that's what you're meant to take from it. So let's let's say well, how this goes. So I love it because the ho- they're, they're in a hospital, but they've got, they open the gates of hell and they've got shotguns and it's very strange. Um, but they've got cool synthy 80s music and there's the whole aesthetic. So we open the show with the first episode. We see Garth Marenghi sitting at his desk. He introduces himself and he says, back in the 80s, I wrote Dark Place, but it was just too risky, too out there, and no one would air it. But neither, you know, there's a writer's strike and they're begging me for content. And then it cuts to him walking down the stairs with this beautiful 80s camera angle, where, which happens at the start of every episode, where he walks down the stairs towards the camera and the, the this aesthetic is amazing, and I remember that this is meant to be horror, and it is actually hilarious. And he introduces himself as an author, a visionary, and a dream weaver, plus actor. Yeah, so he is, um, he's just full of himself. Um, and it's lovely to see how seriously he takes himself. Um, and how seriously other characters as well take him. 
they're all in awe of him, actually. That's the hilarious thing. And they're, they're both in awe of him as a character in the hospital, but also as the writer and director. That's the interesting thing. They're in awe of him tw- twice over. Yeah. So uh, here's what we, sure what we, should, we should mention the, the theme tune as well. So amazing 80s synth. Garth is typing on a typewriter at a desk that's floating in space with all this stuff going around him and you see his his head looking around while all this crazy stuff all flies around everywhere and then you get this weird like toy model of a hospital that says dark place outside it and he says you are now entering the world of my imagination you are now entering my dark place and then we see him running away from an ambulance holding a baby and leaping through the air while the ambulance explodes and running through a corridor in slow motion with candles everywhere while synth plays it is the the best thing I've ever seen in my life. It is like somebody. It's like if you asked a machine to learn what the eighties was about, <laughs> yes. and it just takes random aspects of everything, every um, music video, or you know, or you've seen or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, eighties action and everything has you know, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but it's uh, yeah. And, and I should say, you know, you weren't sure on the first episode. Uh, the first time I saw the first episode, I thought it was garbage. And about a year later, I came back and tried it again and realized that it was the show that was made just for me. I loved everything about it. But I still say the first episode is the weakest. Um, so let's get out of the way. So we see a pretty girl walk into a hospital. A cat jumps out, like, like someone sets the cat out. Like it's not very natural looking. Someone just sets the cat out at her feet. And you hear a voice shout, just leave. And then in comes Dr. Sanchez and he says to Liz, you're a woman. And the acting is all wooden and bad and there's weird swooshy sound effects and then the girl faints because that's what girls do. The show is also incredibly sexist. Um, Then we cut to Garth at his desk doing an interview and he says he's one of the few people who've written more books than they've read and he's taken the novel as far as it can go and that's why he's now doing TV. And then Dean Lerner talks about how groundbreaking this is. This is, you know, just this amazing, important show. So Garth stops into the, the kid wing of the hospital and talks about how much, you know, he, he's a hero and the kids say they should pay you a, a hero's wage. And he calls the kid champ and talks in a whisper and it's all very dramatic. Uh, and then we cut to Dean Lerner, who plays Thornton Reed. Now, you mentioned before his, his acting is the one that's the worst of all. He says, I'm not an actor but they wanted me to play the truth. So, you know, here I am playing the truth. And yeah, no, it's his appearance is awful. He forgets his lines and it's, you know, it is a joke, but it's an ongoing joke throughout the two episodes that I've seen anyway. Um, I, I just want to pick up on one thing you said there that the show was incredibly sexist. Uh-huh. I got a point that it's like intentionally sexist. It's like over the top. Nobody would have actually written anything like that. Um, no, yeah. So, I don't so want to the... just leave it at. I don't want to leave it at just that statement. It shows just sexist. Okay, general, yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, I should time. clarify <laughs> the the eighties show within a show is deliberately over the top sexist as like a caricature of that time period or whatever. It's it's too much I'm... to be realistic, you know. I mean, even the female doctor coming along and saying, I, I know I'm a woman. I hope that's not a problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and as well as that, even that scene uh, where they shake hands and they have this psychic vision and it's, it's, it's goes on for far too long. It's more, it's, 
more than I'm comfortable with for the entire thing. Yeah. I have no idea what was actually supposed to be happening. <laughs> and then she does just lie down. She's supposed to pass out, but she gets down very, very slowly and then says, I'm not feeling very well. Um, it is funny. And weird. Yeah. So this is that's what essentially happens next. They they shake hands and then they scream ah and everything spins. The camera spins around and and they see a premonition of what's to come. Um, and Liz also gets soft lighting when she appears because she's pretty. So they give her softer lighting than everyone else, which I think is hilarious. Um, and then of course Richard Ayoade, he he has a gimmick where he always they always laugh at jokes, but then he doesn't really understand the jokes. So they're all laughing and they're saying, "I'm sure nothing untoward will happen." Oh, don't worry about Garth. He'll play a fair hand. He'll come up trumps, unless there's a Joker in the pack. And then Richard Iwani laughs and then says, and sometimes there is, because he doesn't really understand the puns and the jokes, and he he then has to explain them. And that happens a lot throughout the show. So uh, that was why I said earlier on that it's nearly a prototype of Moss. Yeah. It's that lack of understanding, but I'm laughing because everybody else is laughing. One other thing I love about his character is he always has a shotgun in the two episodes that I've seen so far. Yes, he has a shotgun. Seems to be this kind of, it's a bit of a trope, I suppose, back from back in the 80s. Um, the other thing, there was something else I wanted to talk about. You glanced over something. Yes. In the children's world, something I love about the show, uh, and we touched on this, that, that everybody thinks that uh, Garth is an amazing character, is an amazing writer, and that the character uh, that he plays is also an amazing doctor. What I love about it is they never get to show us that. They never get to show uh, that he's an amazing doctor. All of it is through exposition. Yes. And it really does resonate with myself, <laughs> or not with myself, it doesn't resonate with myself, but it just rings true of shows I've watched like House and Sherlock where obviously these characters are supposed to be brilliant, but they can only be as clever as their writers. And everything they do is, that's very clever is always set up um, in such a delicate way. What I like about the show is it doesn't even bother with that. It doesn't try and put him into a situation where he can demonstrate his brilliance. It's just, he's brilliant. It's just his reputation exceeds him. Everybody talks about how wonderful he is without him ever actually showing it. Yeah, I think we do at some point in the six episodes. I, I think that we will see him attempt to do something vaguely doctory, but in the first two that we've watched so far, he doesn't really do any doctoring. The other thing I loved about the first episode, I was disappointed, a little bit disappointed that it didn't carry on into the second episode, was the lack of extras. Yeah, like They were in a hospital, but it was literally maybe five actors <laughs> that you saw throughout the entire episode. Um. Yeah, I've written that, that down. There is no one in the hospital. <laughs> they get more people in for the second episode. I'm nearly disappointed that they actually do that. But even like the extras that you do see sometimes, it's quite clear that they've been given a cue. They suddenly respond to this cue and like two people are just pushing a trolley along. They start pushing the trolley once the camera pans over and then they stop pushing the trolley once they reach <laughs> the edge of the scene because they can't go any further. So it's... Small, tiny details like that that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so let's but... let's explain what's actually happening here. So they've they've opened the gates of hell. This guy Renwick, who's an old friend of Garth's, and he's staying in the in the hospital at the moment. He's the only patient we see apart from the, the boy. Um, Garth has a shower and then walks around the hospital in a gown, and they all you know talk about how overworked he is. And Liz, you know, he's got a cup of tea, and Liz says, "Look, I want to help," and he says, "Well, 
I'll pay you. You could probably use the money for, you know, lipstick or whatever. Um, but right now, what I really need you to do is whack a Brillo around this mug so it doesn't stain. So then she goes off and, and cleans the teacups. Um, and then Renwick just explodes. So the only thing that Garth does to fix this is uh, goes in and uses a shovel. And they have a weird slow-mo scene with blood and guts and gore everywhere. And he hits this really fake-looking mannequin head with a shovel uh, whilst there's a lot of yelling and a lot of slow piano music. And then he dramatically says, bye-bye, buddy. And then, you know, um, Matt Berry walks in and says, I'll get a mop to mop up all the, all the liters and liters of blood. Of human bits and all the body parts, <laughs> just a mop. Just a mop, brand. yeah, this for makes... all the bones and limbs and organs and whatever else. And I suppose just on the far side of that, if you've read a script and you know that's coming, you you know, the shock value is obviously going to be taken away from you. So an, another aspect of why I like the meta joke in the show. Um, but one thing I love about that scene as well, they're describing it as it's happening. And you have uh, Richard playing his character. Is it, I, I can't Thornton remember Reed. which one it is. Thornton Reed is the actual producer, yeah? yeah. No, 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 D- Dean Lerner. Sorry, so many... Dean Lerner is the producer. And Thornton Reed is Dean the, Lerner is the, the producer. manager. Dean Lerner is talking about uh, Gareth and talking about it. he doesn't know if he's ever, what is it? He doesn't know if he's ever had to hit a head with a shovel. But there was just so much yes, emotion Yes, yes, I know what you're talking scene. about. Garth says, I've never so, exploded, but I've, I've always known what it would be like. And then Dean says, I don't know how he knew, but he just always knew what it would be like. I don't know if someone close to him has exploded, but he's always just known. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Sorry, I completely hashed that up. But it was just that it was emotional. So they're going to talk about it emotionally. They're going to have a big thing about it. It doesn't matter if it fits or not. It doesn't. They're just going to do it. Yeah. But then they tell him off for using a shovel. They say that that is not orthodox methods of medicinal practice. And then they they say, you know, cool it or you'll get a knuckle supper. And Reed dramatically crushes a paper cup and Garth's going to be in trouble. And now we, now we see him driving in a very fake looking car scene where it looks like they've put this cardboard uh, square fake looking toy car that he's sitting inside driving in a non, you know, in a, in a dark background that's supposed to indicate that he's gone outside. But it, it just looks like the most fake thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that aspect of using fake imagery, even you talked about the hospital being this small little toy, but they still zoom in on different parts of the different windows (laughs) to indicate they're in different places. They do. Uh, That's a very subtle touch, actually. It's very well done, Matt. Um, And then some other points as well. It was a small detail again that I noticed, but um, they're talking in an office and then Gareth walks out the wrong way. So he walks off set. Yes, I didn't notice that. You told me him. that. He doesn't go out the door. He walks off set. So it's it's a weird one that you just have to... Uh, I was paying attention to it because I knew I had to talk about it later on. But there's actually so much going on. There's a, there's a lot going on that you could probably... You know, all these little things that you mentioned, you would easily miss, you know, on, on a single viewing if you weren't... Um, trying to watch it, you know, with particular attention. And you're right. Um, Okay. 
So after the fake car scene, he has arrived at the graveyard. It's Renwick's uh, funeral. They say he's exploded too young. And the, the priest, or as they call him, the padre, is Julian Barrett from the Mighty Bush. And the coffin starts shaking, and Renwick sits up, even though we just saw his body explode and his head get hit. Somehow he's all back together again, <laughs> inexplicably. And he sits up in the coffin, and then Garth just shoots him, because Garth brought a gun to the funeral. And now we get weird slow-motion scenes where everyone's getting shot, and um, Richard Iwadi has a shotgun, and I'm, I'm nearly sure that there's just weird edits where he's got the gun, and then he doesn't have the gun anymore, and I think his coat changed. And then they shoot his mum for some reason. <laughs> it's just insane. And now Garth has a flamethrower and these like cardboard tombstones are blowing in the wind. And then afterwards, Reed hugs the mum and, and grabs her ass. And <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, it would have been acceptable back in the 80s. Well, I don't know. When I go to someone's funeral and then I shoot the corpse and then the mother... I then comfort the mother and then grab her ass. That's every time, right? Can you honestly say in that situation, you'd know exactly what you'd do? I guess, I guess not. I guess I've never <laughs> We'd all like to, to think how we'd behave, but <laughs> if it was the 80s and you were shooting corpses with the, you know, a six-shot revolver, multiple... That's what got me, was the number of shots he took <laughs> without reloading. Yes. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. And the flamethrower that appeared from nowhere. It's just perfect. Um, so now the final... It was, the final... It was a nice way to end the episode and just also to prove Gareth right. You know, that uh, everybody was telling him off. It was the the whole trope of uh, you're off the case, hand in your badge, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, you know, everybody's doubting him, but he believes in himself. And he was right. And in the end, he was right. <laughs> So we end the episode with Garth on the roof. They always end with slow music while Garth is on the roof re- reflecting on what has happened. And he says the doors to evil are open. Doors of evil ha- um, cannot be shut because they're abstract and they don't have handles. <laughs> and then Thornton Reed appears and says, I had a cat once, but I dropped a safe on it. It was a write-off, so I stood on its head. And I don't know <laughs> why he says that. And that's the episode. <laughs> I completely just blanked that line, I think. Yeah, just I had a cat once, I dropped a safe on it. It was a write-off, so I stood on it said. And then the episode just ends. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's nice to have that stability, though, that you always know where the episode is going to end. Yes, you do. You always the start and the end is the same in every episode. He walks, he appears with his film reel, and then he walks down the stairs, and then at the end he's on the roof. So you get you get that in in all of them. But um, that that's the first episode. Do you have, do you have anything else you want to say before we we end the recording? That is the first episode reviewed, I think. I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I did it's ask. I did ask if our, I, our mutual. About... Go ahead. Sorry. I was just about to say, I, I'm wondering, would it actually work if you released it today? Like, it didn't work when it was released in 2004, but even if it was released now, I don't think people would have the attention span for us. Um, or even the stomach. I don't know. Uh, I know there was a massive interest in 80s um, aesthetic. Like, we had the release of loads of this and uh, Stranger Places. Stranger no. Things, yeah. 
Stranger Things, that's the one. And um, there was just a whole host of interest in the 80s. Um, I wonder, would this have actually... Could this have gained traction in today's mm, kind of interest? I think they but, would have had to make it, but just, you know, Stranger Things and those kind of stuff, at least they're not as silly, you know? I think this is too over-the-top silly for today's audience. You know, combining the silliness with the 80s, yeah. I think, is too much for people, maybe. It definitely fits in, like, the noughties were just, humour was very, very random. Um, and just the attention span was much shorter as well. So, I don't know. I'd say no. But I'd like to question anyway. <laughs> okay, well, that is the end of the first episode. And we'll be back next time with episode two when we re-enter the dark place. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.